Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Monday, January 16th. 327 days into the war between Russia and Ukraine, what's the latest on the conflict? We get an update from Christian Loyprecht, professor at the Royal Military College at Queen's University. The third Monday in the month of January has been deemed Blue Monday, with some claiming it to be the most depressing day of the year. We asked Dr. Ted Jablonski, our on-call family physician, if there's any merit to the title and for some advice on what you can do if you're battling the January blues. And finally, Motivational Monday, our weekly segment aimed at helping you reach your goals and live your best life. This time out, we speak with Jim Kyles, speaker, pastor, and author of the new book, Unstuck and Unstoppable. On Saturday, Russian missiles struck an apartment complex in the city of Dnipro, Ukraine. Joining us with the latest on the ongoing war, 327 days in, we're joined by Christian Loypresh, professor at the Royal Military College and Queen's University and editor of the Canadian Military Journal. His latest book, Polar Cousins, Antarctic and Arctic Geostratic Futures, is available free online now. Good morning to you, Christian. Good morning. Before we get kind of a state of the war now, 327 days in, let's start with the latest. Can you tell us about the strike on a civilian apartment complex over the weekend? Yeah, this is the continued effort by Russia to do two things. One, to take out critical infrastructure in Ukraine, of course, uh, as they have been for three and a half months now. But it's also meant to provoke a refugee crisis in continental Europe, in Western Europe, by trying to get as many Ukrainians as possible to leave and essentially making Ukraine unlivable, uninhabitable in order to stoke a political crisis in Western Europe. Um, so, uh, so, so this is sort of the two-pronged strategy. And so trying to hit a buildings, trying to get a maximum number of casualties uh, is unfortunately par for the course. And of course, this is what we would have expected from Russia in the sense that this is the strategy that they pursued in Aleppo uh, in, in Syria to demoralize the local population. It, does it work, especially with winter weather on hand? Is, it, is the demoralization a big part of this war? Yeah, that's a good question. It's not clear that it's an effective strategy. By and large, when it's been tried, it has not broken the will of local populations. If you think back to the bombing campaigns of Germany in World War II, for instance. Um, but of course, uh, this is a very challenging situation given the winter weather. Um, and uh, so so trying to see how resilient Ukrainians are and being able to stand up. This is why you get the nightly address from President Zelensky trying to make sure that uh, the population, the people continue to hold up. And now that we're in January, people can see uh, maybe a couple more months or so. But of course, when you don't have windows, you don't have running water, you don't have heat, life gets pretty difficult. Uh, Christian, uh, support continues to pour in from other nations across the globe. And now we're hearing news that the UK planning to send tanks to Ukraine. What sort of an impact will that have? Yeah, so that's a good question. I think this is more political than actually battlefield strategy by the UK. Uh, the UK is trying to press Germany in particular to allow at least older versions of the Leopard 2 tank to be um, uh, to be brought into the conflict in Ukraine. Uh, and Germany has so far resisted that. So the uh, Brits are sending their challengers primarily to be sort of a first mover and show that uh, this is necessary and try to sway other key allies to do likewise. Um, the uh, United Kingdom has tried to be a bit of a leader, at least in terms of the public relations on this, although other countries have provided significantly more. But there's no question that with a an expected spring offensive by Russia, perhaps as early as March, uh, the Ukrainians need um, heavy tank equipment, um, both in terms of the terrain and in order to fend off the Russians. 
Christian, with all that we know and all that we've just finished talking about, uh, the recent statement from President Putin claiming that everything is going to plan in Ukraine, I mean, that's not the case, is it? I think it, we can all understand that, that Russia has, has met great resistance, and that certainly wasn't what they expected. Yeah, so I think some of this depends on context. So you're coming up on February 24th, the Russians are going to make very hard pushes, I think, on, on, on more than one front to try to show at least some successes for to report for by February 24th. So I think things are going to get worse rather than better uh, in the coming weeks. Um, at the same time, for Russia, I think the uh, simply being able to have a conflict in Ukraine is in and of itself a success because uh, Putin is deeply concerned about his legacy. He's trying to position himself in terms of this 400-year trajectory of Russia essentially controlling and dominating his neighborhood. Um, and so uh, his intent and will to assert himself, I think that in itself is sort of the message that he wants to send to Russians. Russia is a great power, is a dominant power, at least as far as Putin is concerned. I mean, it's a country whose GDP is smaller than Canada. So, of course, this is all a bit of a, uh, of a charade, but, uh, but nonetheless. All right, uh, Christian, we've talked a little bit about, you know, the mood and, of course, the Ukrainian people who have been in this for over 300 days. What about within Russia? I know the old term, the Iron Curtain, we know that we don't get much info, but what are we hearing about the Russian people and their thoughts on this war that, you know, many of them may have not known about or it is, to the extent of it? What, what are we hearing? Yeah, so the Kremlin still refers to it as a special military operation. So there's still this reticence that appears in broader discourse to refer to it as a war, even though more commentators are. Um, but it appears that the people who are left behind, I mean, I think the Russian mentality is very different from our own. It is very much fatalist and it's very much sort of drilled in from childhood that you are part of this greater whole and you're going to need to make desperate sacrifices for the glory of Russia. Um, and so I think people People are just sort of in many ways resigned to their fate and under the current sort of uh, control mechanisms and information environment filter bubbles that Putin has created, uh, I think many ordinary Russians simply don't see an option for themselves, especially if you live outside of St. Petersburg and Moscow and smaller towns where the information environment is even more constrained and the oppression um, uh, by state authorities even more heavy handed. Christian, with what we've seen so far, where do you think things will go from here. Yeah, so Putin is clearly banking on a long drawn out conflict, but I think the Western allies are thinking in terms of 2024 and they're looking to the next US election. They don't know who's going to be in the White House. And so they realize they probably have a runway of a maximum of two years here uh, to create conditions that will allow Ukraine to assert its interests. Um, and so I think uh, this is why you've seen more weapons deliveries to Ukraine. It's not just a function of uh, the new Russian assaults on Ukraine. It is a concern, I think, that Western populations and in particular, perhaps some of the Republican constituency uh, might start to uh, wear on the conflict and the investment in Ukraine, even though from a U.S. interest perspective, the U.S. last year spent 5% of its defense budget, with which it destroyed 50% of Russian military capability and not a single U.S. soldier died. So from a U.S. grand strategy perspective, this is working out uh, very well. When you put it in those terms, speaking of casualties, and I know it's sometimes hard to come by accurate numbers, but there are numbers floating out there. Do we know about the casualties on, on both sides, Christian? 
Well, the estimated figures are about 100,000 on each side, but of course the impact is disproportionate for Ukraine, for a country of about 40 million people uh, versus Russia of a country of about 150 million, uh, uh, million people. Uh, and in many cases, the Ukrainian soldiers also have much higher skill sets. So every loss of a Ukrainian soldier is a much disproportionate, much higher loss for, uh, um, uh, for Ukraine. Um, and Ukraine, of course, uh, has, has significant strains now that it also has many of its soldiers outside of the country training on this new equipment. Uh, so uh, I think th there's a certainly a, a terrible human toll here. Uh, and I suspect with the Russian offensive and Valery Gerasimov now in charge of ground operations in Ukraine, uh, the toll is likely going to get much worse. Thank you so much for the update this morning, Christian. Appreciate your time. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Christian Loypresh, professor at the Royal Military College and Queen's University, as well as editor of the Canadian Military Journal. All right. Now it's time because it is that day that we've been talking about all morning long. It is what we call Blue Monday. And Dr. Ted Jablonski might have something to say about that. Yeah, Christmas is now in the rearview mirror and credit card bills from the holiday season have arrived. Work and school back in full swing. Have you become a victim of the January blues? To discuss, we have Dr. Ted Jablonski on the line, our on-call family physician. Good morning to you, Dr. J. Good morning. Is Blue Monday really a thing, Dr. J, or just something we've created? Uh, it's something we've created. So apparently it's a marketing thing that started with an airline back in 2005 when they sort of looked at dates and sort of thought, when would be um, really not a good day Typically, Monday is the hardest day of the week. You know, what's the worst month? Probably January, when the weather is the worst, is post-Christmas, etc. But there's absolutely no science to this. This is not a day where there's more depression or where there's more suicides or there's more anything. It is just another Monday. So there's good news that you don't have to feel this is the worst day of the year because it really isn't at all. Oh, well, that makes me feel better already. I don't feel so blue. It's a, now I'm a lighter blue than I was of, as a dark blue earlier. But so, you know, some people, though, might be having a bad day, Dr. J, like you say, whether it's a Monday or a Wednesday or whatever. How do we know if we're truly depressed or we're just having a bad day? Yeah, so th this is a common question. You know, when when do we need to seek help? Essentially, I mean, everyone has a bad day. Every you know, every Monday might be a slightly more difficult day than other days of the week. But but if we can shake things off, if we can actually still function, you know, our our, our we're thinking clearly. Maybe we're not the happiest, but we're still reasonable. We can shake it off. We can move uh, sort of at a snap of a finger into a better mood and, and move forward. We probably don't need professional help. It's, I think when we can't do that, when uh, that Monday is actually bigger, I really do struggle to actually get out of bed. The notion of trying to do something is anything is just like a major mountain and I, I just can't shake it off. And perhaps I do have some thoughts, a little bit of suicidality or uh, physical things are starting to happen. My sleep really is not restorative. I get up in the morning, I do not feel good at all. Um, you know, I'm not thinking clearly. My memory is not clear. Uh, I have trouble concentrating. Uh, people are, you know, asking me, you know, why, you know, what's wrong? You don't seem to be yourself. It's things like that. When we've crossed the line and we just can't seem to shake it off, that's when maybe uh, professional help is in order, whether this be anxiety, whether this be depression. 
All right. Well, not one day. We can't call one day Blue Monday. You say it's kind of a marketing thing, but something that has been proven real, and it's really come to the forefront, I think, in the past 20 years, is seasonal affective disorder, or SAD, which happens during this time of the year. If you can break some of those symptoms down, how I would know I have SAD and what I can do about it. Yeah, so seasonal affective disorder is depression that comes uh, at a specific time of year. Uh, that typically it is winter. Uh, and again, it's a it's a true blue depression um, that comes in. It usually creeps in, to be honest, a lot earlier than January. It's usually more in that um, October, November time frame and recedes in, in uh, perhaps uh, April, definitely May. But it's uh, it's depression, and I can't shake it off, and it's day to day to day. The, the classic depression of seasonal disorder um, is a we call an atypical depression, which is much more like a, a bear hibernating. I want to sleep all the time. I want to eat way more. I do not want to exercise. I gain weight. I get very, very sluggish. I just cannot shake it off, and that's day to day to day. That's seasonal affective disorder. There are a variety of treatments that are very, very effective. So there is a place where you do want to seek professional help or do your research and get going, but you're already late. <laughs> if you're yeah. thinking about this now in January, you've already missed the, the, a couple of months already because it really does start a lot earlier. But better late than never, right, right, Dr. J? I mean, you know, do, do the lights work or is, you know, is it serotonin, what we get flowing through our body when we go do, like I'm going for a hike today? Is that a way to sort of boost the mood just naturally? Yes, absolutely. So, so part of seasonal affective disorder can be managed with a regular exercise, particularly outdoors where we get a bit of natural lighting. Uh, that can be very effective. Lamp therapy or light therapy can absolutely be used. It, it's a very, very particular. A lot of people don't use it correctly. And, you know, that's a that's five different segments to get through all that. But there is a place for it. Absolutely. I'm not dismissing it. It can be extremely helpful. Uh, exercise, regular activity, getting out, getting moving is crucial uh, for seasonal affective disorder. Some great advice and super timely. Thank you very much, Dr. Uh, Jablonski. We appreciate it. You betcha. Dr. Ted Jablonski is our on-call family physician. An estimated 80% of Americans and likely just as many Canadians say they feel stuck. So what's the solution? In his new book, Unstuck and Unstoppable, Jim Kyles provides readers with practical, actionable tools to help them shake off their problems from the past, find their purpose, and move forward in their lives. We say good morning to Jim Kyles. Hi, Jim. Thanks so much for joining us on Motivational Monday. Well, good morning. Thank you so much for having me. So excited to be here with you. It's a pleasure to chat with you. Let's talk about that word stuck. Why do so many people, do you think, feel stuck? And what does that mean exactly? Wow, that's such a such a great question. Uh, stuck is the, the, the time in, in your life where you're feeling frustrated with where you're at. Um, sometimes it's because you don't feel like you can go any further, but sometimes it's because you continue to go through the same situation over and over again. It's a, it's a cycle, a self-sabotaging cycle in your life. And so really identifying which is it. Is it that I feel like I'm not taking any steps forward or am I finding myself in the same sabotaging situations uh, in my life and just can't seem to get out of this pattern? It's interesting because one of your quotes says that you know what it's like to be stuck and you're sure you'll be stuck again. <laughs> so I, I guess yes. probably that, that's a good part of the experience for you is you could understand where people were coming from. Is that why you penned the book? 
Absolutely. Well, and it's interesting. I, I didn't even intend to write a book. Uh, I just was feeling stuck, and I have felt stuck many times. But coming out of this global pandemic, uh, again, you, you read the stat that's so fascinating. So many people feel stuck. And so I just felt like if I could clearly identify why do we get stuck, and then how do we keep uh, our lives moving forward once we've identified ourselves being stuck. And we get stuck for lots of reasons. I talk about it in the book, but one uh, is we go into situations with the wrong mentality. I don't know about you, but through the global pandemic, you know, we were told, hey, a couple of weeks to slow the spread. Well, a couple of weeks turns into mm-hmm. a new lifestyle and many months of isolation, lockdown. And I was unprepared. I went into it mentally, honestly, thinking almost like a vacation. Hey, two weeks, I'm good. I can do this. But two weeks turned into months, a year, and my mentality in life that had gotten me to where I was, the success that I had, the relationships I had, was no longer the mentality that I was living life with. And I found myself getting stuck in areas that I hadn't been stuck in in a long time. Jim, let's talk about your book, Unstuck and Unstoppable. Inspiring stories. Are they all your own? Did you gather them elsewhere? Well, that's a great question. Many of them are my own personal stories. I have, I have other illustrations, but I always think the greatest teacher in life is helping people go on a journey that I have been on and then being very vulnerable. You know, I think in a day and age where we put our best foot forward with social media and uh, always the best image, I just felt like, hey, I'm going to be vulnerable, transparent. Here's some things that I have gone through, and here's how I was able to get through it. This is the segment that we call Motivational Monday, speaking with Jim Kyle's speaker, pastor, and author. And the book is called Unstuck and Unstoppable, Shake Off the Past, Find Your Purpose, Get On With Your Life. So when you're stuck and you finally realize that, Jim, it can be daunting because you might have a mountain yes. to climb in your mind. So I'm not, I wonder if we can chunk it down to, to, to little baby steps. How can we start the process to get, as you call it, unstuck? Absolutely. Well, I, th- I think the, it's, it's, you said it so correctly. It can feel very, very daunting in the fact of here we are. H- how do I have a, a feel? Because here's an identifier for feeling stuck. You can feel hopeless in a situation. You know, you can be uh, moving your life forward in lots of areas of your life, but in one area specifically, feel hopeless. So like your marriage, you can say, man, my marriage will never get better. My finances will never get better. My career will never. My family. And so that is a very daunting feeling. And so the the best thing to do is to begin to assess, first off, what area of my life am I stuck in? Because we tend to project one feeling in one area over the entirety of our life. So instead of just recognizing, hey, look, it's just this one area. The rest of my life is doing really well. That begins to allow you to not feel overwhelmed and anxious and like there's no hope. Well, then, okay, I've identified. It's my finances. Great. Now, the goal is not to become unstoppable right now. The goal is just to get unstuck. Well, to get unstuck, all I've got to do is make just a little bit of progress today and a little bit more tomorrow and a little bit more the next day. And I talk about some of the steps that I think – and have seen in my own life, in whatever area you're stuck, that will help you become unstoppable. 
When you're speaking, it kind of reminds me of, you know, we just started a new year, obviously, and people make New Year's resolutions and they feel like, oh, on day three, I, I didn't I didn't already accomplish my goal, so I'm just going to quit, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and that's the thing. I think we have to remember, give yourself a little break and just say, okay, I, right. I didn't manage it so far. I'm going to try again. I'm going to try again. Is that sort of what you're getting at, too? That is. Well, and here's what's interesting. One of the steps you were asking to get unstuck is really uh, uncovering the uh, your identity in that area. And so, you know, um, what we tend to do is when we feel stuck, we cannot see beyond the place of pain that we're in today. And so we reproduce the mess we're in because that's all we can see. But when you begin to uncover who am I, my real identity, and the purpose of my life, and then here's more importantly, where am I going, the vision of tomorrow? It's amazing how when you have a vision that is full of hope, a vision that is clear. So say you're struggling in your finances, and you say, man, I'm always broke. I'll never uh, be debt-free. Well, when you get a vision of being debt-free, and you can envision yourself as someone who is debt-free, what's amazing is your life will begin to take steps to move forward to that new vision and new reality that you are focused on and believing uh, to accomplish in your life. And and it's it's an amazing thing how we reproduce what we see and what we believe. Jim, just before we let you go, on your road to becoming unstoppable and you know getting unstuck to begin with and then moving forward, there's going to be some setbacks. So what do you say yep. to people bringing it back to Sue's discussion about the resolution, how, hey, I've, I've been eating very well, I'm trying to get in better shape and be healthy, and then I have a major cheat meal of 7,500 calories, for example. <laughs> you don't want to continue that path. So how do you get back on and refocus when you're on your journey? Yeah, well, first, I, I think you just got to say it's okay to have a cheat day every once in a while. You know, no journey is ever perfect. It's not if I fall down, it's whether or not I get back up. So I'm going to focus on the vision of who I want to become and realize that I'm going to stumble along the way and let yourself off the hook for stumbling. No, Nobody's perfect. And then second thing is I, we've got to have the accountability of relationships, people that will help encourage us people that will continue to love us even if we don't always hit the mark and encourage you to move forward and to uh, focus on, hey, I'm becoming, because that's the reality. It's not about just doing the resolution, which is why so many times uh, people fail at dieting. I talk about this in identity in the, in, in, in the book. Uh, we, we, we fail in some of the fads because we're doing a task uh, whereas if we would see ourselves as the new person, it's like, I am healthy. I'm not trying to be healthy. I am healthy. I love it. Envision it. Make it happen. Great conversation. Thanks That's so much right. for joining us on Motivational Monday, Jim. Thank you, Sue. Thank you, Andy. You guys have a great day. You too. Jim Kyles, speaker, right. pastor, and author of the new book, Unstuck and Unstoppable. Shake off the past. Find your purpose. Get on with your life. You can get more at Jim's website, Jim, and it's J-I-M-N, jimkyles.com.